0: How many of you guys know the Disney movie Aladdin? I'll say many of you guys know it. And if you don't, well, I'm, you're about to find out about it. Um, but you never thought that you would come to a church service and hear about Aladdin. But here we go. <laughs> so Aladdin was a, a poor boy living on the streets. He had a pet monkey that went everywhere with him. Um, and he stole he scrounged. He did whatever he could to live. Um, but there was still that, the desire for something more for him. Um, he didn't know what it was, but there was still the desire. I want something more. So he ends up, I'm skipping a whole bunch here. He ends up inside of a cave full of riches, and he finds a genie lamp. It's beautiful golden lamp, and inside of it is this genie. You rub it, squeak, 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 and out he comes. And he's like, All right. You woke me up, you get three wishes. Pop quiz, what were the three wishes? Prince? Prince? It's okay, I didn't remember him either. Save his life? And for Jeannie to get three, free. good job. I didn't remember him until, literally until I went to look up the story to make sure I had him right. So, (laughs) Jeannie's first wish is that he be, can become a prince. And so, or not Jeannie, sorry, Aladdin's first wish is that he could become a prince. Jeannie said, your wish is granted, right? And out comes Aladdin, or now all of a sudden Aladdin is this prince. And he's got all of this rich and all of this wealth and he goes and he flaunts it. Um, he's he may, he may be trying to win a girl over with it, but he still wanted power he still wanted influence because that's something different from the life that he had previously received well this got him noticed by evil Jafar and Jafar wasn't too fond of that and so what does he do he ties him up and throws him in the water and Aladdin is dying and he is desperate for life and genie sees this obviously Aladdin can't talk underwater or else he'll you know, take in water. So he's making the gestures that, Genie, free me, free me, save me. And what does Genie do? He grants him the wish. And he is free from the bonds that hold him, the bonds that are drowning him underneath the water. Now, we're going to skip to the end of the movie, right? And Aladdin is now at this point where he's a a different guy. He sees that because of his freedom um, from death that he could be a changed person and um, Genie is taken captive by Jafar the same man who had Aladdin thrown in the water and Genie becomes this evil dude and He's Genie doesn't like that and he wants to be free from that and so Aladdin uses his third wish to free the Genie Not just from Jafar's hold but free the Genie from his life of confinement in the lamp um, So the first wish was power The second wish was freedom, and the third wish was freedom for somebody else. And as I was reading the passage today, I was also thinking, man, that sounds a whole lot like Aladdin, but not. Um, Today's scripture comes from Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. You can either follow on the screens um if you have your phone if you have a tablet if you have your own bible you can read out of those also um and pastor tanner said it several times and he left his bible up here so i didn't have to snag one Um, but if you don't have a bible today and need a bible you can borrow one of these pretty little things sitting in the seats in front of you Um, if you don't own a bible and want to take it home with you take it it's free lots of good stuff in here All right, so Mark chapter 10, I'm actually going to move this out of my way. Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. Then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man named Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. We heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth. He began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him, be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, get on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. Jesus asked, what is it that you want me to do for you? The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, Jesus said, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and he followed after Jesus. So I wanna step back into last week really quick. Um, This week Jesus asks an important question, what is it that you want me to, to do for you? And we faced this same question last week with John and with James. And Jesus says to them, what do you want me to do for you? Does anybody remember their answer? What? The right and the left. Or as Pastor Tanner said, the vice president and the secretary of state. And he gave lots of other beautiful examples. I don't need to recap his whole sermon from last week. Um, if, you want, if you didn't hear it and you want a good message, go check it out right? But really what they were asking for when they were asking for being the right and the left hand was for power and it was for control. And Jesus' response was giving it to them? No. Jesus didn't just give them power and control. In fact, he kind of schooled them. And he's like, that's not my uh, my kind of kingdom, guys, right? My kind of kingdom is the kingdom of servant, uh, of, of bowing down and of of showing love and helping others. So if you really want that kind of life, then you're not gonna find it in my kingdom. If you want power and control, you're not gonna find it here. After this, Jesus and his disciples were walking along. Now Mark is very short and clippy. He doesn't really transition things very well. So it just says, then they were walking along. So sometime after Jesus tells them, to be as to follow after me is to be a servant they come across or they come outside of jericho and they run into um oh by the way this is they're headed into the triumphal entry so this is jesus's last big to do before he we get to the passover feast and they they encounter a man on the side of the road named bartimaeus um means son of timaeus or son of honor um, we don't know anything about Bartimaeus. Meaning we don't know his backstory, we don't know his history, we don't know anything that took him to the place of sitting on the side of the road. And we don't need to. What we do know is that Bartimaeus is blind, meaning he's disabled, which automatically means that he's unclean and therefore he's an outcast. We know that he's a beggar which to be a beggar means that you have no goodness to you because, well, you have to sit on the side of the road, right? You have to try to take what other people have earned. And so that makes him a sinner. That makes him an outcast. It makes him unclean. Uh, And we know that he is desperate. He wants something better than the life of sitting on a street corner. Bartimaeus was stuck in asking the question to people that passed by, have mercy on me. Give me your money, help me to live. But then he heard about this Jesus guy coming through and he knew, hmm, there's something different about this guy. Is this really the son of God? And if it's the son of God and if these stories really are true that I've heard about Jesus healing other people, then Hey, he can do that for me too. So he cries out, Jesus, son of David, recognizing that Jesus is not just this really cool guy. He is the son of David. He is the coming Messiah. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He knew Jesus could offer him something, and he cried out. His faith is something that Jesus notices. It is something that Jesus is like paying attention to. Because Bartimaeus' faith is so bold that before he even got up, this blew my mind when I stopped and listened to it. Before Bartimaeus even went to Jesus, he already had abandoned his life. The cloak that had his money sitting on the ground in front of him was not just like, folded up and set aside. I'll come back to this later. Or wasn't just gathered up as he rushed to Jesus. No. He threw it aside, meaning he threw the income, the mercy that everybody else had given him, off to the side in pursuit of Jesus. No intent to go back. And then he gets to Jesus, and Jesus says, what is it that you want me to do for you? He didn't ask for power he didn't ask for wealth he didn't ask for x y and z to make him a better status symbol no he asks for his sight all he wanted was to see ironically he could already see better than the disciples could because he knew that jesus was the messiah the son of david and and jesus seeing his faith says bartimaeus your faith has healed you go now he could have done something that everybody else that had been healed had done. If you look back at all the other healings, when Jesus says, go, you've been healed, they get up and they return to their former life, not necessarily living out their former life and, and even telling people about Jesus, we see that. But instead of going back to what he knew, he turns and he walks with Jesus. So he, that life was over with. He had nothing to do with it, and he decided that he would follow after Jesus. Back to James and John. James, John, and Bartimaeus were all asked the same question What is it that you want me to do for you? But their, vast, or their, their responses are vastly different. James and John asked for power. They want to be the most important people to Jesus. Bartimaeus wanted the ability to have a new life. Even though he was blind, Bartimaeus understood Jesus's power. A blind nobody of a beggar knew Jesus was really, or he really wanted to be a part of what Jesus was doing. The disciples had three years with Jesus. Three years walking alongside him. And, and if we rewind all the way back to their beginning, Jesus may not have directly said the, the phrase, hey, James and John, what do you want me to do for you? In, in their very beginning. But what he did say was, come and follow after me and I will make you fishers of men. I will give you a new life if you come and follow after me. When Jesus called James and John, what was James and John's response? They left everything and followed after him. And now here they are wanting his power. Um, and, And along the way, you'd think that they would remember that Jesus was was the Son of God. Jesus was offering them a new life. You'd think that they would see that through the healings that he gave, through the freedom he gave. Like, look at the the Samaritan woman. He changed her. He offered her a new life. And you would think that they would see this and that they would understand the kingdom that Jesus is bringing is far different, is completely upside down than the rest of the kingdoms. But after three years, they still did not get it might even say they might have forgotten the new life Jesus offered them, or or even if they didn't forget it, they got comfortable in the new life they had been given, and they failed to see what the kingdom was really about in their comfort. And so what we see as Jesus is walking along, though, is the disciples. Those that have left their old life to follow Jesus are now at this place where Somebody is crying out, Jesus, have mercy on me. And instead of remembering what Jesus had done for them, they say, hey, shh, be quiet. Almost as if they don't want this beggar, this sinner, this outcast to see the new life that Jesus could give them because Jesus was too busy of a man and on too too important of business for them to stop him, for for the beggar to stop him. And so they they silenced him. You see, their forgetfulness became a hindrance to them. It became a hindrance to Bartimaeus. But Bartimaeus did not let that stop him. In fact, he just cried louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then Jesus does something, and this is the first time I really heard what Jesus does. Jesus stops the crowd he silences those that are silencing Bartimaeus and says, you go and call him to me. Jesus doesn't say, Bartimaeus, come and see me. No, Jesus says, you go get him and bring him to me. And once they did that, Bartimaeus could then hear the question, what is it that you want me to do for you? We live in a world crying out, have mercy on me. We see it regularly. We see people on the street corner looking for food, for shelter, for water. We see de- people desperate for Jesus, desperate for some form of life, some form of hope. We see people crying out for mercy, for healing, for forgiveness. And, and the list goes on. And I, you, guys, you guys can think of a few things that people cry out for that aren't on this list, and the, the list is infinite. And we are humans. And, and so we can't fulfill that. But many are still crying out and waiting to hear somebody say, what is it that you want from me? What do you want me to do for you? And they may not realize that Jesus is the only solution to that. They may not realize that Jesus is the only one that can provide them with what they want. We've heard the question today several times, and we heard it last week What is it you want me to do for you? So I'm going to pause for a minute. I want you guys to think back to when you accepted Christ, when you decided to leave your old life and follow after Jesus. When Jesus asked you the question, and maybe he didn't phrase it like this, but when Jesus asked you the question, what is it you want me to do for you? What was it you were asking for? Were you asking for freedom from a sin or a burden? Were you asking for forgiveness for something that you've done wrong? Were you feeling so hopeless that you needed him to give you a hope for a brighter future or a better life? Were you asking for a friend to comfort you, to be there for you because you were lonely? Were you asking for healing from something whether it was a mental illness or a physical illness, um, a broken relationship? Did you need rescue from a difficult situation? We all... We're asked the question once, what is it you want me to do for you? Now I want you to think to Jesus' answer to your question. Did he tell you no, not today, I'm too busy? I don't think so. Because I think if he said that, you wouldn't be sitting here. (laughs) When Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And you answered with Jesus, this is what I need from you. I need to see. I need to have my eyes opened. Well, I'm going to assume that Jesus gave it to you. Because again, you wouldn't be sitting here today if Jesus didn't give you what you needed in the moment of your salvation. Again, James and John wanted power and control. They thought that Jesus would give them status. They thought that they would get an end to this mission. But he wasn't a king that came for that. He was a king that came to offer new life. And when we look look at Bartimaeus, he didn't want that. He wanted Jesus' mercy, his forgiveness, his new life. And he was granted that. And then Bartimaeus does a beautiful thing. He pours his whole life into literally following after Jesus. Now, it doesn't say that from there after Jesus died that Bartimaeus went on to go tell other people about Jesus, but I think it's safe to assume that because Jesus gave Bartimaeus new life that Bartimaeus followed after Jesus not just in the literal path to Jerusalem, but he followed after Jesus in the way of serving, in the way of loving, in the way of offering new hope. When we first come to Jesus, we come like Bartimaeus, desperate, seeking answers, seeking mercy, seeking freedom from the the former life that we had. And Jesus always changes our lives. But if we're not careful, I'm gonna go back to James and John walking along the beach. They were offered new life, they were given new life. And if we're not careful like James and John as we journey back down the road, We soon forget the new life that we were offered. Don't be like James and John. Don't forget what Jesus did for you. That's not even the point of my sermon though. Be like Bartimaeus who after receiving new life joins Jesus on this quest of of bringing people to salvation, to redemption and freedom. Today's question really isn't about Jesus asking you, what do you want me to do for you? We already know the answer. Each of us already has this moment where Jesus has given us what we want. It's about those who have no idea who Jesus is yet, and what they need from him. There are people in the world around us who are beggars like Bartimaeus, Crying out for mercy. Jesus, have mercy on me. Somebody, help. I'm lifeless and I need new life. I'm hopeless. I need a hope. I'm broken and I need healing. And then unfortunately there are people in the crowd, and by the crowd I mean in the church, silencing those cries. Getting in the way of people coming to Jesus. And, and we, we say, well, the doors are always open. But how open are the doors if we don't say yes? How open are the doors if, if we're not willing to sit down with people in their brokenness? How open are the doors when we're not willing to have a cup of coffee who, with somebody who just needs a friend Here, Jesus does something that blows my mind in the story. The same crowd that's telling Bartimaeus, don't bother him, is the same crowd that Jesus says, go and get him. Throughout all of Jesus's ministry, he demonstrates going and getting. In the story of the woman with her lost coin, what does she do? She searches until she finds her coin. In the story of the the parable of the lost sheep, what does the shepherd do? He leaves the 99. He leaves the flock to find the one that needs to be brought back. In the parable of the lost son, or the prodigal son, what does the father do? Daily, he diligently waits for his son to return And when his son returns, he doesn't say, I'm sorry, there's new room at my table for you. He says, welcome home, son, let's celebrate you. In the banquet of the rich man, he sends out for all of the other rich people to come in, and they don't see what he's offering, so they don't show up. So he sends his servants out for um, the next group of people right below that, right? And they don't see what this rich man has to offer at his banquet so they don't show up and then jesus says to or not jesus the rich man says to his servants go and get the people on the streets corners this isn't still enough my table still has spots go all the way out and get all of the people whose society has said no to and bring them to my table doesn't that sound awfully familiar to today, with with today's story to go and get those that society rejects, the son of man, the son of David, Jesus, the coming Messiah, is turning the kingdom upside down by saying, go and get those that need me and bring them to me. My kingdom isn't just for people that want to walk and, and do what, or, and, and gain power. My kingdom is for those that need freedom, need new life. The son of man came to seek and to save the lost and it is our job to go and to get them. Now I want to put a pause here because I know that there are people possibly in here and I know that there could be people listening online and I want you to hear this. Jesus doesn't just hear the cries of his followers. Jesus doesn't just hear those that are sitting in the room who are broken and hurting. He hears the cries of for mercy from those that aren't even seeking him. He hears the cries of the desperate and he wants to take care of those tears. He wants to hold those that are broken and needy and crying out, have mercy on me. Again, the church can be like the voices of the crowd saying, shh, be quiet. Or, "Ah, I'm sorry, I don't have time for you today. I'm sorry, I'm too busy for you today. I'm sorry, there's, you, you don't look right, so I can't spend time with you. Oh, you smell. Go take a shower first. Right? And those church members make it really hard to walk through a church door. It makes it really hard for the beggars to feel like they have a place in our society a place in the kingdom. Don't be like the crowd. Don't silence the voices of the beggars. You see, as followers, we should want to go out to the beggars. We should want to exemplify Christ to the world. Be like those that responded to Jesus' calling. When Jesus said, hey, you that are following me, go get them. Be like them. Go and listen for the cries of those seeking mercy and freedom. Be like Jesus. Hear the cries. And then respond by bringing them to Jesus so that they might experience the freedom in Christ that you have already told Jesus you wanted. Remember your freedom. Remember what Christ offered you when you abandon your own life to follow after Him. I want you to remember those people that are being Bartimaeus crying out. The important thing for us to know is whether you're Bartimaeus, whether you're a part of the crowd, or you're somewhere in between, that Jesus hears the cries of the brokenhearted and wants to take care of them. And in order for the brokenhearted to really understand freedom, the crowd has to go and get them. So right now, you might feel like you're Bartimaeus in desperate need of Jesus. And if that's you, if you're crying out, Jesus, have mercy on me, cry. Cry for whatever you need. Jesus hears those tears. Jesus hears you. If you're like the crowd right now that's following after Jesus, listen. Listen to the voice of Jesus. Listen for the voices that are crying out for mercy. And remember, Jesus is calling you. He's already called you into a new life and now he is calling you To go and receive people into new life. Listen for the cries of those that need Jesus and listen to Jesus when He sends you out to them. But most importantly, bring them to Jesus. I'm not saying bring them to church next Sunday because some may not want to walk through the doors yet. What I am saying is be there with them, hear their cries. Hear their, their brokenness and love them through all of it. You never know what you have the power to do by responding to Jesus calling you to go. It might take you four cups of coffee and a hundred late nights. But by you going to them, you are saying you matter not just to me, but you matter to Jesus. So, no matter the cost, you've already thrown off your cloak to the side. Go and help the beggars of this world get rid of theirs, too. Let's pray.